Uh, tonight, Josiah is going to speak. Josiah, if you run out of things to say, just say, okay, we're done, and we'll all visit, because I do it a lot. So, Father, we just thank you for Josiah. We thank you that he's got something on his heart he wants to share. And, Father, we thank you that he's anointed. He has a word in him. And, Father, we know that you're going to give us exactly what we need to hear from him. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up, sir. And take thank you. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, I am very excited uh, for this evening. I'll admit I'm a little bit winded. Uh, that first song that we did was a lot, and so I'm still trying to catch my breath from that. So if I take a moment to breathe, that's why. Um, I'm really excited for tonight. This is a message that I feel like God's put on my heart, and it's, it's been in the works for about, I think it was six and a half years, give or take. Maybe it was closer to six years. It's not going to take that long tonight. Um, I mean, hopefully. Um, but I'm really excited. I got to share it with the Fusion Classroom a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was during that time I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this is something... Um, for the, the older kids, the, the much older kids. And so I'm really excited for that tonight. Uh, the teaching's gonna be a little different. I don't have one big point or even like a three-point sermon. My dad loves the three-point sermon, uh, so I grew up with a three-point sermon. I don't have a three-point sermon, I'm sorry. I like, to st I like stories, I love stories. I graduated college with a professional writing degree and I make coffee, so that's how those are related. But I'm really excited because I love, I love stories, and the Bible is full of great accounts, great narratives, great stories. Um, and so we're going to dive into one tonight, uh, one that I've heard like a million times growing up, and it was just during this, this period that I felt like God kept showing me things and showing me things, and I was like, this is so cool. So I'm not up here claiming to know more than anyone in here. I'm just here sharing what God's shared with me uh, and hoping that it touches you as much as it's touched me. Maybe even more. That'd be really cool. All right, so we are going to read passage. It's going to be Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And I'm using the English Standard Version. Uh, that's just what I have. If you have a different version, I won't judge you now. I just will later. Um, but yeah, verse 22. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, and walked in the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you have a little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So, I want to set up a little bit of context, and I'm going to summarize kind of what happened. So, if you're reading in Matthew, this occurs right after the account, the feeding of the 5,000. And so, like, we go from that big scene, uh, which we even had, like, for a long time in the Easter program. We had that, and so you kind of got to see it portrayed. We go from that to this little narrative. Um, and so, Jesus wants to separate himself. He wants to take time to reflect, to pray, talk to the Father. He sends the disciples out while they're out on the water. The boat is just attacked by a storm. Uh, I, it's very interesting. Uh, different translations were like, the, 
It was like a torrential downpour. The waves beat up against the boat. The fact that the wind was against them, like I've run with the wind against me. I've never sailed with the wind against me. I've heard it's not good. Uh, and I can't even imagine what's going on here. So then Jesus goes out. He, follow, he finds them. He walks on the water. And the disciples are freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Actually, they're like, this is a ghost. But then Peter's like, hey, if, if it's you, I want, I want to do that. I want to walk in the water. So Jesus says, come and walk on the water. Peter does, sees the storm, begins to sink, cries out to Jesus for help. Jesus pulls him out of the water, go back in the boat. The winds and the waves cease, and everyone in the boat, all the disciples, they worship, and they're like, you are truly the Son of God, if you've got the power over all of this. And that's like where the story ended for me so many times. I heard it in Sunday school. I heard it uh, in church. I heard it like at events. And like the story ended there. It was like, so you might not walk on water, but you should trust in Jesus. And like that's a good, it's a good underlying idea. But there is so much more. There is so much more. And so we're going we're gonna to be dissecting this. Um, and we're going to just see how far we get. Hopefully, hopefully we get through it all. <laughs> um, so the first big thing we're going to look at. Jesus sent his disciples out. So he commanded them. He was the one who sent them out on the water. They were exactly where they're supposed to be, but there was still trouble. The Bible says that the boat was beaten by the waves, so the wind was against them. In Mark's account, this is in Matthew, in Mark's account, it says that Jesus saw the disciples. Like, he could see how crazy and how bad it was. And as I was reading this, God just kind of, kind of brought things to me, and he said, just because things are difficult, that doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. A lot of times when we face adversity, when we face struggles, when we face trouble and storms and and craziness, we think, I must have done something wrong. This must not be where God's called me. In the Bible, it says we're promised tribulation. It's going to come. It's going to happen. But be of good cheer because God has overcome anything that you can face. And so this is is a subtle reminder that even though in in the midst of your darkest night, in the midst of the craziest storm, that doesn't mean that's not where God calls you to be. In fact, in fact, there's something else. Jesus comes to meet them. So when you feel like you're in the pit of despair, when you feel like there is no hope, when you feel like you're going to drown, and these are, these are, like a lot of these men were fishermen. Like they, this is not their first time out in the boat. They're familiar with this, and they're still kind of terrified. They're still afraid because they realize how bad this could be. Uh, it was saying how late it was at night, and I was looking at it. It was like between 3 and 6 a.m., and I can't imagine being awake at 3, between 3 and 6 a.m., let alone like being pelted by a storm. But that's where they were. So in, it's, it's literally dark. The only light they have is probably covered by clouds and maybe a flash of lightning. And Jesus goes to meet them. Jesus is there with them. So much so that they're freaked out. Like, whoa, this is a ghost. This was such a, such a new way for Jesus to reveal himself to the disciples that their only logical explanation at first was, this has got to be a ghost. That's like, that's the only thing this could be. Jesus is like, no, no, it's me. It's me. So then Peter Peter calls out to Jesus, and he says, if it's you, then I want to walk on the water with you. Which is not the statement I would have made. I would have still been in awe, but Peter is not average by any means, if you read the New Testament. Um, So Peter says, I want to walk on the water. And Jesus says, okay, come on, come on out. And I'm trying to find where I wrote this down. Yeah, so walks on the water which is impossible. This is not something that happens to this day. I've heard of different um, like theologians, different scholars, different Christians who have gone out to this place and like, maybe this is where the Spirit of God is. Maybe this is what it is. And they sink immediately. That's not the way this works. This was a special moment. If God calls you to an impossible situation, prepare 
for the possible. Prepare for something crazy to happen, because that's what happens here. And so Peter is walking, and it's, it's a miraculous point. It's not an easy situation, by any means, and that's, that's shortly seen uh, thereafter. While he's walking on the water, uh, it says that he began to see the, way, the wind. Now, you can't see wind. You can't. You just can't. But you can see the effects of wind. The word, ah, what was it? It was like, in the original, it was, uh, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, I'm sorry. It was like blepo, and it means to perceive. So he didn't perceive the wind itself. He was perceiving the effects of the wind. He was perceiving the waves, the lightning. And as he was perceiving that, as he was caught up in that, he began to lose sight of the Savior. Pastors talk from the pulpit several times. In Romans chapter 12, Paul talks uh, to early Christians, and he says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world. It's trying to, to pressure you, to push you, to, to get you to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to live a certain way. He says, no, 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 be transformed. This is an, an entirely new process. I'm sorry, I'm like hitting the microphone. This is an entirely new process. To be transformed is a constant, ongoing renewal, because it says, by the renewing of your mind. This is not a one-and-done situation. As much as we would love for it to be, it's not. It's a renewing of your mind. And so Peter, he renewed his mind when he first walked out on the water. He's, he's starting to think. He's being transformed. This is something different. This is something new. This is something exciting. And as he began to, to look around and perceive, he began to reconform. And when you reconform to a natural way of thinking, you reconform to a natural lifestyle. I don't want to live in the natural. I want to live in the supernatural. I want to live beyond any ordinary thing where, where I feel like I have to be stuck. I want to live where God's called me, out in the deep, out in the open. And Peter was there. He was like doing so great. And he, he got caught up in this moment. And it says he began to sink. I don't know what beginning to sink looks like. <laughs> Pastor and I were talking about this a while back. Was it like an escalator effect? Like, is he out there and he just like slowly starts sinking? He starts freaking out? Or was it like just dropping a rock in water? I don't know. But it says he began to sink. And whenever I taught this in the fusion classroom, I, I called up two volunteers. I said, okay, okay. So I had one volunteer who pretended to be God, and they have a blessing over here for someone. And I said, okay, someone else going over here. Come over here. And so I said, now that's, that's God's bless, blessing for you. That's his best for you, okay? So you, I want you to go get that. But before they did, I just grabbed, I just grabbed their arms real quick. I said, now go get it. So they're struggling. They're like, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, like they couldn't get very far. And I said, maybe, maybe reach out for some help, some guidance. What do you guys think they should do? And they were given like really, really weird, random inspirational quotes. Like, don't even think about it. Just try and go. Just live in the moment. Just try to, try to go with the flow. And it didn't work. And finally I said, because this is something that I've struggled with for so long. I said, did you, did you think about asking God for help with this? They said, no. And so I said, ask God for help. And I had my dad portraying God in this instance because he's bigger than I am and he works out and I don't. And I said, God can easily remove any restraint. And then they were able to go get the blessing. Peter, in this instance, he began to sink. And he called out for help. I can't, I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've been struggling whether it's in sin, whether it's uh, the consequences of my sin, whether it's the consequences of the actions of those around me. And I felt like before I go to God, I've got to get out of it myself. This is, this is, hit me, this is one of the things that hit me the hardest um, just because there are so many times that I'm like, I've got to get righteous enough for God to then, to, to then wipe, wipe the dust off of me. 
I've got to get good enough on my own merit, on my own works, for God to say, okay, okay, you made the cut. I see the effort. Participation trophy. We'll move on. But God wants to pull you out of that. He wants to be the one to pick you up and to lift you up. And it says that Peter really quickly called out to God for help, to Jesus for help, which is the wise thing to do in this instance. I would recommend calling out to Jesus immediately. And I love reading in between the lines in Scripture. I like reading what the Bible says, but also what it doesn't say. Because it says that as Peter cried out to help, it said, immediately, immediately Jesus reached out to help. I, I grew up um, with just such a different view of God. So along with the fact that I thought I had to get right, I had to be the one to get out of the water on my own. I thought, okay, now that I've called out for help, we're going to have this punishment phase where Jesus says, hey, bud, oh, look what you did. Mm. You're going to have to sit here for a second. Try and swim a little bit. Okay? Okay, now, now let's get up. Now let's go. There we go. There we go. It says immediately Jesus reached out his hand. Immediately he pulled him up out of the water. And this is, this is such a, I don't know, for me it, it was just such a mind-bending concept. It was so crazy because, I, like I said, I felt like there was going to be this delay. Now there were going to be consequences to actions. Peter was probably soaked. He was probably freezing cold because I can't imagine the water was, uh, was heated. So he had to deal with the consequences of his actions. But immediately Jesus pulled him out of that. Immediately Jesus rescued him from, the, from, from drowning. And then Jesus, Jesus still shows love. Pulls him up, holds him beside him, beside, beside him, and he says, why did you doubt? And I read this with condemnation for so long. Like Jesus was yelling and pointing a finger like, why? Come on, Peter, we've been over this. You keep messing up. You keep screwing up. And it was not that. It was it, like, I've, I've, I've changed how I view this and it's just, hey, next time, next time, bud, just, just lean on me. Just trust me. We serve such a loving God. And I feel like when you, when you read the scripture with that mindset, it is, it is truly life-changing. I feel like I hear that said so many times. When you do this and you read it, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. And it can be. But this is, this is, so, this is so different for me. There were plenty of hard times ahead for Peter. But growing up, I always wondered, I'm like, what's the point? Like, why, why does this matter? Why, why have this story even in the Bible? Why, why make Peter go through this? To our knowledge, Peter never walked on the water again. We don't have an account of it. We don't have any, any record of him walking on the water again. But the same faith that he exercised in those first few steps is the same faith that helped him whenever he led one of the first revivals. It's the same faith that he carried with him as he brought healing, as he brought hope of a risen Savior to a lost and dying world. That same faith that stuttered, that fell, that that tripped up a little bit, had been renewed. And he was no longer conformed to this natural way of thinking. For so long, I was like, what's the point? Why Why even go through all this? It wasn't, this wasn't the, the grand finale. This was the exercise. I played basketball in high school, as you can clearly tell. Uh, and we had exercises and drills we would run, and we never did those during a game. Uh, we ran suicides. We ran. We, I'm trying to think, Matthew. What all did we do? We did wall sits. We did push-ups. push-ups. <laughs> Anything to help you hurt. Uh, <laughs> and we never did those during a game. Never once were we in the middle of a game, and it's like, all right, I'm gonna guard you. Ready? Ready? Go. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get past me? Oh, 
I can only do two, yeah, thank you. I can only do two push-ups. That's all I can do. <laughs> we never did that. That was the exercise. So that way when it came time for the actual event, when it came time for the big, the big moment, we could live up to it. And in the same instance, Peter had an exercise. Granted, he fell a little bit, tripped up a little bit. But this same, this same instance was used, I feel at least, to build up faith later. We serve such a creative God. A God who doesn't like to waste anything. Not a single tear of yours is to be wasted according to his plan. Not a single hurt, a single pain. I'm not saying he caused it. In the, in the scripture, you can read, it doesn't say, and the Lord arose a storm to smite them. It was not that. He sent them out, and it happened. And he said, okay, well, we're going to use this. There is a saying that said so many times, what the devil intended for evil, God will use for good. Good job, everyone. <laughs> it's, it's said so many times, but it's, it's like truly here. You can read it, you can see it. This was an instance intended to tear them down, to bring condemnation to Peter. Could have beat himself up the rest of his life. Could have lived in agony. I mean, so many instances he could have done that. Could have lived in agony, in defeat. And instead he can say, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to walk forward. Not only that, they get in the boat. They sit in the boat. And it says that the wind ceased, the rain stopped and all the disciples worshiped. And I feel like that's often swept under the rug. I know, I, like, I know I've swept under the rug. I almost didn't mention it tonight. But the valley that you're going through, the hardship that you're facing, the trial that you're in the middle of, when you come out of it, is going to be such a testimony of God's goodness. Such, such a, a significant impact on the lives of others It'll, it'll go beyond you. Because that's what happened here. This could have, I, could have, I could have ended just like it was just about Peter. He just needed to grow in his faith. Just needed to grow. Need to be better. Could have ended there. But instead, this, this had such an impact. It had such a ripple effect. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by, by God's creativity. There is so much in this passage. And I, I would encourage you, with, with this passage, with any passage, reread it, reread it. Um, you can also find this passage... In Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52, and John chapter 6, verses 15 through 21. But neither of these have Peter walking on the water. I don't know why. I didn't write them. But I feel like it was here for us for a reason. And it's, it's I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's so fascinating to me, the, the creativity and the endless love of our God. So, there was, there was a lot more that I had planned on saying. But I, I don't feel, I don't feel like that, I feel like that's me. I feel like that's me saying it. And so, I'd like to pray. I, I do realize it's early. <laughs> I do realize it's fairly early. But I, I just want to encourage you. Because I don't know what you're facing. I really don't. And I know everyone faces stuff different times, different days. Um, I know at camp we're going to be facing the heat and the exhaustion and the possible dehydration. <laughs> I know that for uh, some people that are going back to school, um, you have kids going back to school, that can, that can be a very trying time. I don't know what you're facing, but when you learn to surrender it to God, when you learn to say yes, 
when you keep your eyes focused on him, you'll walk on the water. And, and when you fall, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say if, because we are imperfect, we are flawed human beings. When you fall, you don't have to stay there. Call out to a God who loves you, who doesn't want you to, to falter or to, to live in that despair, that anxiety, but who wants to pull you out and say, hey, hey, we'll get it next time. We'll get it next time. And watch the impact. Don't do it for others. Don't do it in a sense of, of hoping to show and boast about yourself. Don't do it for that reason. But know that the more you surrender to God, the more, the, the bigger the reach, the bigger the impact that he'll have with your situation. Let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for, for these words. I thank you for this truth. God, your scripture is so rich. Your word is so powerful. And God, I pray that we would take time to dig deep, to lean in to what you have to say. I pray, Lord, that, that when the, the tough times fall, when the waters rise, when the lightning strikes, when the rain's pouring, we wouldn't look to the wind, we wouldn't look to the rain, we would look to you. I pray, Lord, that those times that we do fall through, those times that we slip, we would seek you immediately, knowing that immediately you'll reach back out to us, immediately you'll pull us up, Immediately, you'll draw us close to you and hold us tight. Not for our glory, but for yours. I pray a blessing over everyone here this evening, God. I pray that your will be done in all we say and all we do. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. Pastor. One of the things that he brought up, I need to... Sorry, feedback. Sorry, Tony. Oh, Tony wasn't. Tony didn't have it. Tony's Tony gone. One of the things he brought up is so interesting in the area of condemnation. And I'll probably be going there Sunday, so I don't want to be preaching about it. But we so often think that when we do something wrong, we've been taught in our training at home and everything, that when you do something wrong, you've got to suffer the, the, the trauma afterwards. That's not God at all. It's like the prodigal son. He left, spent his money on things he should not be spending his money, went completely broke, and come home. And before he could even tell his whole story of what he did, his father seen him and loved him and honored him, just like God always does the same for us. So there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I don't care what anybody here has done. You do not, that's not him talking. He, does, he never, 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 never condemns us. The Holy Spirit only tells you righteous things. And I'll talk about this more Sunday because we have for so long thought that God convicts us. He convicts us of righteousness. The enemy is the one that condemns you. And when you can get a handle on that, it changes everything. Because I mess up all the time and you all mess up all the time. Don't pay attention to that. Because just keep looking at the right thing and the right thing and the right thing and the righteous way to live. And pretty soon those things will pass away and you'll live for the right. We was taught so long in the church I was at, we were taught don't do, don't do, don't do. Don't, never heard to do. And, and the Holy Spirit's the one that's always telling us what to do. And we've been taught what not to do. So where did your mind go? It goes to the not. That's like I've said a million times. If you're dieting, quit. Because you're putting yourself under law. 
and you will never make it. It doesn't happen. But if you look at yourself thin, if you think of yourself thin, if you see yourself healthy, if you see yourself eating the right stuff, that's what you'll do because you'll follow what you think. I'll go into it more Sunday. Father, we thank you. Thank you for that that's touched Josiah's life. And thank you, Lord, that all that he had to say is good nuggets that we can grab a hold of and we can grow in. We know that you love us. And like he said, it said he immediately pulled us out of the mire. We went in, but he pulled us out. That's the way life is. He always does that. Circumstances, situations happen. It's called life. But you are an abundant of life on top of that, Father. So we thank you for it. We trust in you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We've got about 15 minutes to visit if you want to. All good. Thank you.